it's you're a market. just scalp splaining. You're scalp splaining. <laughs> scalp splaining right now. <laughs> you abs- absolutely are. You're listening to ND Fan Radio on One Foot Down, part of the SB Nation family of blogs. Thank you for joining us. ND Fan Radio on One Foot Down, the One Foot Down podcast. Part of the SB Nation family of blogs. Well, that sucked. Huh? Hey, before we get too much into this, I want to let you guys know that this is Ron. He's a Georgia fan and he has bought my chair yeah, for no, this evening's actually, podcast. You guys shouldn't even be here right now. <laughs> so I was he's gonna be strongly, in. strongly considering selling your two chairs off to, to Georgia podcasters. Gotcha. But I decided against it. All right. Well, you're really loyal. <laughs> And thus not an embarrassment. And thus not an embarrassment, too. Well, I, that's, is, all right, so if you've been sleeping under a rock for the last uh, three days, two days, Notre Dame lost to Georgia 20-19 to in a hard-fought night game full of Georgia fans. Under and, the lights of the Georgia cell phone. And the, the topic, I mean, the hot-button issue right now, that's the the, the lightning rod is has got to be the Georgia fans in the stadium, no? Yeah, no, I, I totally think so. And, you know, most of the people out there understand that we, we talk about having our finger on the pulse as best we can of the Notre Dame fan base, and we're typically talking about Twitter. I'll be perfectly honest, we don't do any, you know, like Gallup-level sampling of 5,000 fans. We go to Twitter, and we see what people are talking about and a lot of people have been speaking about uh, Notre Dame's away game against Georgia on Saturday because there were so many Georgia fans. <laughs> so I will be trying my best to refer to this as at Georgia. Well, and if you know anything about Brian Kelly's road record, you would know that we have no chance in an away game. <laughs> well, you know what they reminded me of was the Nebraska game several years ago. I was there. I went to that game, and uh, it was just not the Georgia game, but the Nebraska game. And it was crazy. It was 40% Nebraska fans, but it felt like more because of the bright red. So it was eerily reminiscent. Yeah. I think the most opposing fans I've ever seen honestly was usc and in a strange way i feel like that's okay they're gonna travel they got the cash and it's like they deserve what, what it game, but this was what different. game was that probably the last one that you and i went to the night game i feel like it was okay. heavily i went Bush, to two Bush, of the Bush. night games no no that didn't have as many usc the one that fans Dame won, i think it was like 41 yes. 38 or something yes. like that and, and, yeah. and usc fans turned out pretty well and but again like they're they're coming over and the rivalry goes back so far. It's almost like they're they're more entitled to be there than Georgia fans, but that's not really where we're going with this. That's just a thought I had. So I have a couple questions. Are you guys ready to answer no. them? Sure. Okay. First of all, everybody everybody's all fired up about this. A lot or at least a lot of people are. They're calling this an embarrassment. They're saying anybody who's sold their tickets are are traitors and all this kind of stuff. And my my number one question is if you sold your ticket on a secondary market, everybody's acting like somebody met with a Georgia fan yeah, in, a, in, in, a dark, in, a, in a dark alley and had the tickets in their with trench a little coat. plastic dime bag, you know, <laughs> stuffed with a Notre Dame what ticket. You got, man? Yeah, listen, it's like a it's a, it's like a real slick <laughs> handshake where like a like you know a stack of hundos and like a ticket. Thomas Crown Affair. Somebody yeah. picked up a briefcase and there's like guys in bowler hats everywhere. I I have a trip that I go on annually with my friends and I have to buy a lot of baseball tickets. So I bought and sold some baseball tickets on StubHub. I don't know. Who the sellers or who the buyers are? I don't know where they're from. I don't know what team they're rooting for. I, I think it's a little bit quick to say all these people are traitors, like it's Robert the Bruce wearing a bucket on his head. That's a Braveheart reference for I you guys. I think the point for most people is that every t- and I see here's I don't know if this is even true. Does every single ticket that's not an opposing team's allotment originate to a season ticket holder? That can't be possible. Because, can't be possible. because the way that certainly not the, the way that some of these blog holder. posts and, and and people's opinions were framed was that that there's no ticket that would have left a, a Notre Dame season tickets holder hand. You could and, buy, and, but you could, but couldn't you buy tickets ahead of time? No. 
Well, we talked about how the Temple game didn't sell out to the last minute, but nobody was like, you're a bunch of traders for waiting till the end to buy a Temple ticket. Nobody said anything like that. And now all of a sudden, because there's some perception that this helped Look, Notre Dame lose the game, you know, that this you, this was somehow ridiculous. I, I think the premise is flawed that anybody knew it was going to a Georgia fan. Even if you specifically, did, does that matter? Not to me. Not if you're a capitalist. It doesn't <laughs> so matter here's, to me. And here's the thing. I mean, there's a lot of... You know, there's a lot of Twitter virtue signaling on this on this topic, and it's funny because there's so many people that maybe haven't been to a game at Notre Dame or haven't have only been to one or two games that are like, you know, well, if I would have had those tickets, there's absolutely no way that I would have sold them to a Georgia fan. I would have definitely gone myself, or I would have sold it to a Notre Dame fan. It's like, okay, fine. In the, in that mythical world, that's great, but as someone who you know, it's probably your lifelong dream to go to Notre Dame Stadium. You would do that. Well, guess what? There's a bunch of Georgia fans who are in that same boat. I, sure. I really believe like this, it, it boils, it, can it just be as simple as supply and demand? It, can it just be that simple? Can it just be as simple as the most basic premise of economics, which is there's a finite supply of tickets, whatever they cut the, the down to 77,000 now or whatever the hell it is. Yeah. There's a finite number. OK. And there is and there's demand on and for both fan bases. Clearly, the demand is higher on the Georgia side than it is on the Notre Dame side. And I think, in my opinion, the relevant questions are, why is that the case? Right. Exactly. So there's a there's a measure of product. Now, Georgia fans, if we're going to continue economically, there's a measure of value. There's scarcity in the Georgia marketplace because, as you noted, they don't play games there. And a lot of these Notre Dame fans that sold tickets have seen many, many, many games. I like I just like to frame this up in hypotheticals for all you righteous people out there blasting people on Twitter. Let's say you go to the game. You got three buddies going with you. One of them falls ill. Because of something that happened the night before, you're going to the stadium. You got I don't even care if he falls ill. I don't like the guy. That's you know? fine. You just but if you're walking into the stadium, three out of the four people you expected, you got one ticket in hand, and there's a Georgia fan in a sweatshirt holding up a number one, and you say, you know, I got a ticket, and he goes, I'll give you five hundred bucks. Well, in that scenario, you're you gonna have try to, to tell me you, you have go, to know that sorry, you have friend. to know that guy's gonna sit next to you in that scenario. I. I well, I'm just saying. Most Notre Dame fans would sell the ticket and befriend the guy. But, that's what I. That's been right. my experience at the stadium. Not going. Pardon me, sir. Are you part of the Notre Dame Monogram Club? I don't think <laughs> yeah, so. Yeah. I'll take my ticket elsewhere. This I, guy doesn't have a newspaper. <laughs> I really, really think there have to be people on Twitter that have resold tickets without extreme vetting of the buyer ticket with impunity i mean who gives stop scalp shaming all right (laughs) scalp shaming is real and it needs to stop okay here's here's the thing this is a bucket list game for georgia fans okay it is this is the biggest road game i would assume for georgia in the last decade it's certainly the most unique this year i mean okay they got the you know you got a cocktail party and a road game at lsu or where all these places number one all those places are probably pretty freaking hostile to to an opposing uh to an opposing team right or to an opposing team's fans hell you get people anybody that's been to a game in chestnut hills knows bc is hostile to notre dame fans so the you know Number one, they don't play a lot of exotic road games regular season. This is a new one for them. Notre Dame Stadium. Notre Dame's done a fantastic job of Disney in the place up and turn it into a theme park. So this is a destination game for a Georgia fan. A once in a lifetime. It's maybe. a once in a lifetime thing. Mm-hmm. They ha- they rarely travel this far north. They don't even know what you know deciduous trees look like probably or or you know weather below fifty degrees at this time of year. So it's like. Yeah, let's go do this. It's an awesome location. We'll never get a chance to do it again. These guys have hope. They got a brand new head coach, right? So they're probably full of optimism. Those are reasons probably why Georgia fans are willing to spend a little bit more money. Right. And if you want if you're talking about wanting to go watch Notre Dame lose and you're a Notre Dame fan, you have six, seven more chances this year <laughs> to do that at Notre Dame Stadium. I'm glad that you mentioned the word hostile. Let's break that apart because- a little bit. I think a lot of people, there's a perception here that the fans somehow played a part in ruining the fact that Notre Dame Stadium would have been a hostile environment had it been full of Notre Dame fans. Is it even fair? And not, I always talk no, about Clemson. No chance in hell. Does not a any chance in oppo- hell. Now, granted, no. it could be historically important to play at Notre Dame Stadium. A lot of the other teams talk about 
kind of like the, the the cathedral, the Disneyfication or whatever. But is it even hostile? Let's just stop saying that. People are talking about there's no it, you herded their chances, but oh, the usher telling me to sit down six years ago that didn't hurt Notre Dame's chances, or people getting kicked out, you know, for for yelling darn it, like that didn't hurt their chances. You know what I mean? And the fact that we had you know the natural grass and all this other stuff, none of that hurt. But oh, now we fill it with opposing we fill it with opposing fans. You completely ruined it. How about you know? going, uh, losing 11 games in our last 16? I'm sure that had nothing to do with it. it here's the craziest yeah, thing. I mean, Here, here's what I don't believe you can do. I don't think you can have your cake and eat it too in this scenario in, in this regard. It, not just a week ago, some drum major or some band guy from Temple made a remark on Twitter about how this was the most polite visiting stadium that he's ever been to. Some, you know, the, the band, Temple band guy uh, was like, oh, man, we were treated so nicely by Notre Dame fans. Everybody fluffed our pillow and put a mint on our seat before we sat down. And it's and, and all the people that re, that took pride in that, that retweeted that, that feel like that's some, you know, badge of honor, some peg to hang your hat on about how the Temple fan felt so welcome there. Shut your damn yap right. because every Georgia fan walked in feeling the exact same thing was probably going to happen to them yeah. if the temple fans like these guys are assholes there's no way in hell i'll ever go back to a game at south bend those people are insane <laughs> right True. maybe people would think twice but it's not like that and it hasn't been for as as long i've been the last first game i went to i was 10 so i don't know yeah. when the last time it was like that but it's not and and so there's i don't believe that there's any scenario where okay georgia's more threatening than temple i get it but that's just what it is. They shake your hand. Welcome to Notre Dame Stadium. Thanks for coming in, you know? Yeah, Unfortunately, right. our football teams is the same thing to the other opposing team. Well, Thanks for coming exactly. in. We appreciate it. Cousin JJ, let me ask you this. I mean, I think a lot of people did sell their tickets because they didn't want to go, and, and they had an opportunity to make a little bit of cash, and they didn't want to see the same product. I do think there are some people that are making a statement about their fandom do you think this would have been more palatable to Twitterati at large if all those seats were empty? If every Notre Dame fan that resold their ticket just decided to put it in the drawer and didn't go, and the stadium actually had huge swaths of empty benches, which wouldn't happen because people enjoy having $100 bills in their pocket. But let's just say the stadium was empty. Do you think, A, these people would have been mad, and B, isn't that really the wake-up call it's the same thing, right? They just so happen to be sold to Georgia fans, but isn't it the same thing and doesn't it kind of need to happen? People have no other recourse to protest this. No, it absolutely needs to happen. I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. Cousin Wes has said it. I've said it. You know, we're, we're boycotting Notre Dame in, in, a, in a way that maybe is, doesn't matter. Maybe it's not meaningful. But we said we're not buying the $100 sweatshirts. We're not going to Notre Dame Stadium until Notre Dame rather makes a playoff. I think Cousin Wes said top 10 in November. Or Brian Kelly is gone. And I think that until more people are going out there and not going to the games and you see empty seats. In the old days, you always said, you know the coach is in trouble when the gold seats are empty. I think they're blue now. But, um, you know, I think that until more people... They're red now. Are they? (laughs) Continue, sorry. Go dogs. Uh, No, but I think until more people... (laughs) To me, but it's the same thing, Mark, right? Whether you sell to opposing people, you have empty seats, you stop buying the stuff, you do what the Notre Dame propaganda department hates, which is go on Twitter and start tweeting, hey, Notre Dame's lost 11 of their last 16 games, and just keep saying it over and over yeah. and over until it gets through to somebody. I just want to believe that some of these people that sold their ticket for, for you know and got a couple hundred bucks, I want to believe that some of those people were there when Notre Dame lost to Navy. And those people were there when Notre Dame think, lost to Northwestern. And many, it has to if, be if, sweet if, if you were If you were a season ticket holder... Okay, you've seen bad you've seen stuff. you saw a win over an OK Temple team. You saw a loss to Duke last year. You saw a horrible loss to Michigan State, a three and nine Michigan State team, which is the last game I went to and probably will be for a while. You've seen them lose to, you know, I mean, squeak squeak one by Miami, which was a nice win. I think Virginia Tech was at home. That was a letdown. I mean, it just you've seen. And here's the thing. It's it's the it's the experience. What is that experience worth to you? There's a threshold where you finally say that the the money is worth more than the experience. I went to U two last night, got some you know perks that weren't a, a part of your normal ticket. It was awesome. I yeah. wouldn't I wouldn't have given that up because that's an experience that I'm not going to do again. Right? Right. I don't go to U two con. I don't follow them on tour. Right now, the guy that's seen them twenty times and has some nutcase who says, "I'll give you two grand for your tickets," probably like. 
I mean, I've seen I've seen you two plenty. I'd right. give, I'd give up my seat. Sure, I was different. Georgia fans are the person that's never been to Notre, Notre Dame Stadium, and Notre Dame fans have seen a lot of marginal football. I suspect if you knew that Notre Dame would win that game, or if you even thought that your presence would matter, which it wouldn't, but if you knew Notre Dame would be would win in some epic fashion, okay, those people would probably want to be, you know keep that ticket and be a part of that experience. But what evidence have you seen in the last three or four years that right. Notre Dame's going to pull out a close game against a meaningful opponent? Yeah. Zero. Yeah. Or what are we one and eight in the last nine games in one possession games? I mean, it's it's a it's a dumpster fire. Yeah. It's- I just want to make sure that anybody that called it an embarrassment. I really, really hope those people call four and eight an embarrassment. And I really hope those people call three and nine an embarrassment because the product on the field has been more than embarrassing many, 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 many times. And now all of a sudden the fan base finally says, we're doing the only thing we can do. And everybody says, you're an embarrassment. And it's like, well, at least we're aligning ourselves with the on-field product. Well, I mean, we got a lot of reasons why Georgia fans would, would spend more. And I think a lot of them probably overpaid. I mean, they did. Hey, if you're a person that it was you know, worth it, though, you, you, I guess you could feel good that you price gouge somebody, you know, if sure. price gouging is even a real thing, which I got theories on that, too. That's a different podcast. Um, but but on the flip side of it is, you know, what are some of the reasons why Notre Dame fans don't value that experience? Why is some of the reasons that they said, you know what? Hey, man, I'd rather have 800 bucks than go spend the time tailgating for a night game driving home, you know, going through the rigmarole, the, you know, the whole ordeal. Yeah, it's a nice opponent. If I thought we'd win, I'd probably go. But you know what? Hey, man, I, I think I'm better with a cool green in my pocket. You know, I'll just go on. JJ, you got any theories on why maybe some Notre Dame, specifically season ticket holders, would perhaps say, eh, you know what? You know, if, if the market's that hot for them, I'll just go ahead and dump them. Yeah, absolutely. And I, listen, th- this show is unique. We live in the Fort Wayne South End Diocese. I'm, I'm an alumni, a family in South Bend. I feel like I'm re- relatively connected, and I don't want to go too deep down the, r- the rabbit hole, but you're not going to hear this on any other podcast. I just want to give our listeners a little perspective to my, what I think is going on here. I think it runs a little bit deeper than football. Again, I don't want to get too deep into it, but I think that there's a lot of people alienated with the university in some ways. Um, for example, I'm an alumni, and, and I think that there's, there's a lot of students who feel like they're being maybe buried in debt, and they're upset about that. I think that uh, some people, not everyone, I'm not speaking for all alumni, might feel like, hey, maybe the university is a little too money-focused. We always joke and say, Notre Dame money, you know? But I think that they see that, and I think that, you know, I have several people who graduate with me who kind of resent that fact, right? I mean, you, you get buried in it, and I think that the university is great. We love it. We're passionate. Um, but if you have the chance to make a grand, like, who's to say, like, his kid who's buried in student debt wouldn't do that? I mean, I think that's completely unfair. You know, in South Bend itself, I mean, okay, there's people living there, physically living living there who who love the university but the university is, is is a behemoth right this thing this place has more money we always joke more money than god right so that so places like corby's and all these local local areas around the stadium that used to be hot spots what's the university do they build eddie street commons okay have you either of you been to eddie street commons i've seen it i mean it, familiar it, but haven't been there gorgeous. to spend money it's yeah. beautiful but when you when they built that next to campus i mean that hurts the south bend community around there and a lot of people resent that not everybody but a lot of people do and so those people may be alienated then you have you know families in south bend and maybe some way alums where they've addressed it this year cousin Wes, you said it where um they did tiered pricing and they brought the lowest down to 45 dollars. well why because they were not selling tickets because they were jacking prices for years when i was a kid what were tickets like 35 dollars yeah, i think 35 and now they were like 100 and back when i was a kid tickets were only 35 dollars so, yeah. but they, Gas was 48 cents. But most families, the university's out of touch. They didn't understand that families can't afford that, right? And so people got alienated there and they got upset. And then, you know, last but not least, and this is one of my biggest pet peeves as an alum, is that like Notre Dame perceives itself as Harvard. And I think that they have an inferiority complex and they don't want to admit that football built this place, right? These big buildings, has anybody ever seen the U, that 30 for 30? And these football players are like, we start winning, they start building buildings. We don't understand what's going on. And that's what happened at Notre Dame. The, the reason they're selective is because of football. It's because of football. And at the end of the day, they would rather have a kid, a Catholic kid for, who cheered for USC because of its geographic diversity or whatever you want to call it, or a, a Buddhist kid who grew up cheering for Florida State, then a kid who cried from our own freaking diocese who 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 loves the university. And I think that, you know, when I went to Notre Dame, I saw kids with big Michigan flags and kids with Florida State flags in the dorm because they don't care that you grew up crying for the university. And I think that there's kids who are smart enough, kids who had a 1575 and maybe not 1600. That's dating our age because I think that's not even the, the score yeah, anymore. Yeah, I don't but, think so. But, but, like, they'd rather have that kid who has maybe no social skills but is loves 
loves you know studying and all this stuff, but they don't care about football. Look at this. Look at the student sections. It's thin. And I think a blend between all of these factors has caused some alienation. And I'm not saying again, I'm one person and I have my own experiences, but I think that's caused some alienation uh, between many different groups, which is hurting the ticket sales. Like, why did they put the band in the stands? That's never happened. Why did they take people off of the field? Because so Golden the, Tate couldn't jump. So, so Michigan <laughs> State players couldn't return the favor. Listen, I'm not, I'm not getting political. I'm not whatever. But I'm just saying they can't sell tickets, and that's why. Like for five years ago, it was unheard of growing up. One that random people could get who aren't alumni could get tickets. And my, yeah. my brother in law, our uncle played football there. And that was like a great connection to have because that was basically te- that was the only way you were probably going to get a seat yeah, at a Notre Dame absolutely. game. That, yeah. that was it. You're like, hey, feel thankful that Uncle Tom played football there because because when if when he doesn't want to go to the Navy game, that's the only chance in hell you're going to get sniff the stadium. And, and my brother-in-law is a subway alum. He grew up loving the university. He got season tickets, and I'm like, how? What? And then I right, see tickets being sold it. online. Yeah, and it's just like so when you're when you're getting when, when people that are getting season tickets. Just kind of like not a joke. I mean, yeah, they're going to spend the money for, it, but they're like, yeah, you know, I'll apply, whatever. And they actually get them. You know, how deep is that allegiance when it comes to shell not, you know, taking a thousand bucks and paying for your, you know, paying for your donation that you had to make? Well, absolutely. You know? I know plenty of season ticket holders that sold their tickets. You can judge them, but guess what? They paid for their whole season tickets with one game selling tickets. Yeah. So you can't blame them for that. And listen, we all love the university. We love it. It's not. We, we hate it, and there's all the, and then there's issues, obviously. But I think these are some of the underlying issues you're not going to hear on other shows that are going on that no one wants to talk about. That runs a little deeper than football. Well, I think you laid out a pretty compelling case, and obviously you have a unique perspective, at least for the people in this room, because you you are an alum. I think the most interesting thing will be when it comes back around. I don't know what the next possible scenario of a one time once-in-a-lifetime type of opponent Ohio would be. Ohio State in 2020, but 2021? I, th- I think if another, if I hope. Let's just pray and hope that they've righted this shit. Because let's be honest, winning, winning would cure this problem. If Notre Dame was performing at the level Absolutely. of Ohio State, this would not be there a problem. Is, there's no doubt about it. Look, if if Brian Kelly had went to a playoff game in 2015, if they were like maybe last year was a little bit of a rebuilding year, but they were like not you know eight, nine, ten wins last year, and there was real reason for optimism going into this year, and not just optimism that. The entire coaching staff turned over, and we still got the the goofy dude at the at, at the you know at the head of you know steering the ship there, and Brian Kelly. But if there was real hope and real optimism and and a track record of progression, instead of what we all saw on Twitter today, check me out at Irish Tightness. If you want to see I, the guy, I would love to give credit to the guy that, that did it, but his Twitter handle is not something I can uh, f- you know f- flow freely here and and, and recite to you. But, we, you know, he, he put out the last 50 games, the last 40 games, the last 30 games, the last 20 games, the last 10 games of Brian Kelly's winning percentage, and it's a straight arrow down. He's right. gone from a .6 to a .4 winning handle, which is abysmal. I mean, it's no good, you know. so Well, and I think to Cousin JJ's point of earlier, I something tells me if you look at the amount of ticket requests and how many tickets were available, they would probably mirror... Well, and that it, pattern, and here's, right? And, yeah, I mean, and, and they've I, done some things and, and to wipe I th- it. I think if the people had optimism, you know, if this was a this was a big game for Georgia because it was an opportunity to to punch, you know, Notre Dame in the face and go take, you know, go take over their territory, right? Whereas for Notre Dame fans, it's like, well, this would be a really nice chance for Brian Kelly to redeem himself or prove that he's got things going in the right direction. Well, how exciting is that? Right. We're waiting for a guy to prove that he's going to make a positive step in the right direction after a four and eight year versus a, a new head coach going to a bucket list destination of who do you think is going to spend more money? Notre Dame has nothing. I mean, there's nothing to be excited about except for Mike Elko at this point, yeah. for as far as I can see. But I mean, do you have anything else to, to to say on this topic here? I think we've dedicated about 20 minutes to it, which is, I think it was owed that much. It's it, a lot of people talking about it. But it's not the only question. I mean, yes, the stadium was a sea of red, but I would also, you know, and we probably touched on some of the, you know, administration's uh, feelings when they see that happening. But I mean, the question still remains, what was redder, uh, you know, the, the stadium with Georgia fans or the offensive lines ass from getting spanked all game or Swarbrick's face when he realized what the hell's going on here and there's Jacktron's not pulling people in the stadium. I mean, there's a lot more questions than just the ticket thing to get into, right? Or, yeah. or a record in the last 16 games. Uh, good grief. Well, there's no doubt. I guess my final, my parting shot Pro- on this is, down. 
<laughs> I, I I don't want to hear anybody saying that this somehow gave Notre Dame like this this unfair situation in this game. First of all, Notre Dame's put themselves in in many different ways at that stadium. They've put themselves in a predicament all on their own, and the fans had absolutely nothing to do with it. It was almost irrelevant. I do think it's an interesting hypothetical to say if all those tickets that were sold to Georgia fans were empty seats, I think it would have been a little bit more of just a wake-up call to the fans to say people aren't really happy with the long-term production. If you saw sections and sections of empty benches, but it just stoked some some hey, sort of loyalty hey, problem because they saw opposing fans. Speaking of benches, you know that uh, Notre Dame seat that you sprung 50 bucks for? Yeah. I bet you sp- spray paint 20 to 19 in red on that thing, put it on eBay. You can probably sell that to a Georgia fan, I actually too. tweeted that before you <laughs> tweeted that, but yes. No, I totally agree. You so, did? Do I follow you? <laughs> oh my gosh! Probably At not. Andy McFly, folks, my brother. If if half as many of my new followers follow my little brother, he will know that people also love hey, him. Listen, just any, not as not as Georgia, much as Big Bro. If any Georgia fans want to follow me, I, I have no loyalty. Okay, to the Notre Dame fan base. If you're, here's if, you're, a if you're a dog pounder and you want to follow me, hey, I'll, I'll start tweeting Nick Chubb stuff all day long. Here's, here's no a little bit of that. advice. My my cousin McFly is extremely extremely funny, and he he has great tweets. So unfollow the Notre Dame football team and follow him, please. You you have a lot better day. I promise. Thanks, I appreciate that. Okay, you should pay him. I mean the. People will sell out to the highest bidder, clearly. Following me as a once in a... Notre Dame has. I mean, might as well do it, too. It's a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity (laughs) to follow me. you you got to dig a little deeper to find Cousin JJ, though. I'm like that. That's true. You're rogue. Okay. What else you got? All right. So let's move on to the actual game. And I guess we're going down the list here of what I think was kind of the most provocative, the most telling stuff. The other thing I saw all over Twitter interspersed with the fact that the, the stadium was full of of uh, red was that the field was not full of Dexter. Um, do you guys think is he okay? I don't know. Like, I'm, is I'm, he not okay? I'm worried about him. I think that I think an APB would be warranted. I want to know what you do. You guys think he really would have made a difference in this game? Is this an actual personnel question for you, or do you think that this was just an indication of how stubborn Brian Kelly is? I don't know if it would have made a difference or not. I really don't know. But it I don't sh- think it was a silver bullet, right? But it sure would have been nice to find out. Sure. You know? I mean, I, I, yeah, I was texting you guys saying putting Dexter Williams, putting Dexter he, Williams. He, here, here's what here's what I do know because I like stats and so I looked at some today. Josh Adams was under 4 4.5 yards per carry in this game, okay? And Josh Adams has been under uh, under 4.5 yards per carry six times in which he's had more than 10 attempts, okay? okay. I mean, he's been under 4.5 yards of carry a couple other times in 20... You're talking about if he was kind of a feature. 15 when he had like two or guy. three carries, sure. right? But when he started getting double-digit carries, okay... He's had under four and a half, which think about it, he's had four and a half yards per carry is not a crappy number. No, okay. No, no, no. But Josh Adams has averaged under four and a half yards per carry with 10 plus attempts six times. There's one more where he had eight attempts at Stanford last year, okay. which I'm not including. Notre Dame lost five of those games, uh, five out of six, five mm-hmm. out of six. The one win they had was Boston College in 2015. ProSize came in and averaged six yards a carry. Of uh, like eight, nine, ten carries, whatever it was. So, whenever Josh Adams has been shut down in the last two and a half years, and he's been held to under four and a half yards a carry, Notre Dame has lost, except for one time when another capable running back was inserted into the game, got eight, nine, ten carries, and was able to rip off another fifty or sixty rushing yards for Notre Dame. Sure would have been great to see if maybe Dexter Williams could have been that guy two nights ago. Right. And then I think that, you know, Kelly's response to this was was borderline cryptic, right? When he was asked why he wasn't in there. It was a coach's decision, yeah. and that is none well, of your darn business. I mean, he said, like, we're very fond of Josh Adams, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it was kind of like, what hey. Is, well, what does that mean? I mean, It's like, hey, what's wrong with your kid over there? And it's like, well, we're very proud of our other son, you know what I mean? Like, sorry, that is that too close to home? <laughs> yeah, I've, been, I've, been, I've been on the winning side of that one multiple times. <laughs> well, we do so. have another brother, so I guess we'll just leave it up to up to fate. Have you? Do you guys recall any other scenarios where there was this doghouse treatment? I feel like we've talked, this has happened before. I don't remember the actual particular where the fan base collectively has said, where in the heck is so-and-so? Why is this person not in the game? And we found out after the fact that it was some 
similar cryptic coach's decision when the person wasn't necessarily injured. Again, I don't have any particulars, but don't we feel I, like you, we've seen some? I don't. Want to, I don't think politics is the right word, but we've seen some. I, I like think he's picking his his RKGs or the guys that are on the field and not his uh, talented KGs. I think it, it's just not only just players, but it's in game decisions. Period. I mean, how many times have we watched the Notre Dame game, like the Stanford game a couple years back when we were almost going to make the playoffs and the time management yeah. at the end of that game? There's just so many in-game decisions between players, between play calling, between time clock management. It's very obvious why we're 1-8 in, in our last nine games in one possession. I mean, it's, 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 it's Brian Kelly. It's Brian Kelly. It is what it well, is. Well, I mean, he's uh, between multiple coordinators, between different players in different years, between different strength and conditioning coaches. I mean, there's there's only so many common threads among all these games that haven't gone well. And and look, at the beginning of his career, he had a nice record in the one possession games, even the one point games, but which is still a one possession game. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it's turned the other yeah, way. By the way, let's, let's give some props. About that. Let's talk about. Do you that want to talk second. about? That? I do want to talk Go about ahead. that. Listen, I, I was watching ESPN before I came over here. Go fuck. ahead and say what that is in case somebody okay. doesn't so, know okay. what you're referencing. So here's what happened. Essentially, go on Google it. It's all over ESPN. Paul Feinbaum literally came out and said Brian Kelly is a jerk, and three other ESPN commenters agreed with him what happened was a, a fe- <laughs> then it must be true well it must be true but no a, a female reporter essentially asked brian kelly why do you gotta say female why can't you just call her a reporter well she was she was a female reporter which i think sexist oh my gosh. <laughs> listen she's competent she's See, it works reporter, but... you just call somebody a sexist they're like they don't even know just how call them a name that's a female that's <laughs> okay, a female so... <laughs> no no but he just like he was very very condescending very demeaning she asked Hey, what's what's different? You you know, is this gonna snowball? You guys seem to have lost a lot of games by one possession. And he was just extremely demeaning, extremely condescending, was just like, Well, just for the record, it's not one possession, it's one point. And she's like yeah. Awkward. Which like, and t- he and he dropped the mic, and that was the end yeah, of the press he conference. The mic, right? He just like storms out after ten minutes. Like it was just the most bizarre thing. And every everybody's talking about this on Twitter. Everybody's talking about it on ESPN, and it just made him look like a complete jerk. And I'm just like sitting back saying, is 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 he like smarter than all this? Like Charlie Weiss? Is he like trying to get fired so he gets paid? Like what is he doing? Right. Right. What is he doing? I don't think that, to me, I don't think that Brian Kelly, I don't think that particular instance was anything outside of some of the irritated coach stuff we've seen. And a lot of people like the coach rants, right? However, um, I'm a man. However, I'm 40. I, I do think that was that was also a female reporter, but if I'm not like, mistaken. There's, there's, I don't think that's an element here. But here's my point. This year, there was some stuff about how Kelly was going to come in sunshine and rainbows this year. My brother here glossed him Kelly 2.0. He's yeah. he's new and improved. Thought he's got an eight. That's what Swarbrick sold me. I'm, it's the I'm same, a buyer. but it's a two. He's 0. Windows Vista. Yeah, that's what he is. He's Vista. He's, he's freaking Vista. He's lipstick on a pig. Okay? Like, this doesn't. Where's the Coach, menu? Why Coach is this? Vista? Why is this shit all? Coach Vista. Coach Vista. <laughs> so the point was it, that it was just a straw on the camel's back, right? I, I, that scenario. It does, look, it first of all, it does not matter. I, in my opinion, one bit that, that she was that, that it was a woman. Okay, I think if Josh, it made, our, listen, it made it worse in public perception. No, it didn't make but it worse. Was, it gave co- people that want to make it worse because of that uh, uh, the ability to do so. Uh, shit happens in politics and everything else. People can spin something. That, uh, look, it was he was condescending towards. He her, is. He's a condescending dick. Who get a, everybody knows that. Who cares? I don't even care about that. If it was Josh. Our emperor, the subway domer, the guy that the the editor in chief of One Foot Down, if who has credential to a press conference, if he asked some question, it was a ballsy question. All right, I mean, it, it was, was a legitimate. It was question. legit, but it was it was poignant and it was hurtful to a guy. I mean, it, it it's hard for him to to accept that because he's in the back of his mind thinking, shit, what if this does snowball? He's the guy stressed out. He shouldn't even have a damn job, and he does. The guy's strung tighter than a fiddle, okay? And she goes in and asks a tough question where most people go in and lob softballs at him. Stupid questions that nobody cares about. And she went in and asked a tough question. And I believe if it was Josh who did the same thing, who went straight. Now, she stumbled through it a little bit and kind of rambled a tad where he's like, get to the question. Okay, she gave him the opportunity to say that whether the, rather than just firing directly. Nevertheless, it was a hard question for him to answer the guy just got beat 
in his own stadium, which is full of Georgia fans, because he made a bunch of shitty decisions and couldn't put an offense on the field. And his offensive line, which is supposedly one of the best in the nation, got absolutely manhandled. So, of course, he's pissed. Of course, he's got a hair trigger. And the guy flew off the handle. If you don't know that that's who Brian Kelly is, then you're lost. And with Feinbaum's like, well, he's a jerk. I don't give a shit if he's a jerk. I give a shit if the guy wins big games. And he doesn't. Everything else outside of that, unless he's an axe murderer or a rapist or Bob Petrino or some just, you know, something off the deep end that's just completely unacceptable. If the guy's got an abrasive personality, guess what? Nick Saban's got an abrasive personality. And the guy wins a boatload of games and nobody should care one iota. And I don't either. I don't, just I don't care about it. Well, I think that's a perfectly fair take. I could easily see Nick Saban doing that. But again, I think that it's the problem is Notre Dame keeps trying to put this veneer on things and they're trying to if, act. They did the same thing with Charlie Weiss. They tried to act like he wasn't brash and he wasn't rough around the edges because they wanted to keep that perception now, up. But he was. Now, if anything, it maybe could not be because of her gender but because of her level of experience, because I feel like I saw, I don't really watch press conferences anymore, but I feel like I saw maybe some a year or two ago where there were like the, the, in, the Notre Dame's like uh intern, not, not a beat reporter, but their internal blogger, like the, like the Notre Dame sports blogger, who was a younger person. I feel like asked another question. He was real flippant with him. Like, I don't need to respond to you, you dumb kid. Yeah. So maybe that is part of it. Cause I don't think this girl's probably not even 30. I think it was a ballsy question. I, I it was, to her. it's Kudos. uncomfortable Absolutely. and it's a legitimate question. Hey coach, you lost a bunch of close games last year and shit got out of control. Is that going to happen again this year? And he's like, yeah, right. No, we've got, we've got a jumbotron. It can't. Our visiting teams come through a tight tunnel. Hey, There's hey. no way we can lose eight games again. Hey, just in case you didn't know, in my first six seasons, I won at least eight games every year. Okay. Yeah. So, so what you you're saying is, down. you're you saying, I, I, do you, do, Martin, do you care about that press conference thing? It's I, a soundbite for ESPN. Anybody that listens to ESPN's a tit. I don't, I mean, why, why would you do that? There's nothing good except that's infotainment. There's no news there. I don't care at all. I think the fact that she that she's a woman should be they women should be dying for the day when that's not part of it whatsoever. Why would a lot you of people say that exactly because I mean, a lot cares? of people reached out and were like, "Oh, it's okay, stay strong." And I'm like, "She doesn't need that. She did just if she asked the question, she doesn't need you backing if you her. Say, She's if, just if fine." If you give her that excuse, then you're you're it, you're making you're, it worse. You're making you're allowing that narrative to continue but, to exist. But get ESPN, past it. She's just a reporter. But ESPN, including myself, everyone is agreeing with you guys. No one's saying, oh, it's because she's a woman. But I'm just saying from a Notre Dame fan perspective. Well, the you're right. Well, the sign bomb, whatever. He's, well, Brian Kelly's a jerk. He's so, a jerk. So what? Football coaches are. Co- fo- football coaches are jerks. And here's the only pro- the only problem I Mike have Mike Riley's whatsoever. not a jerk, and he's not winning football games. So just, you know, yeah. whatever. The only problem I have whatsoever is that I heard a couple things this year trying to, as some little tidbit for the for the beat guys, that Kelly was going to be his kinder, gentler. Well, that's all bullshit anyway. Machine gun hand this year. And I'm like, yes. If you, if you fell for that in any way... That's it, Brian it, Kelly 2.0, a kinder, gentler. It's, it's a kinder, gentler, Brian. Listen, if you fell for that, you're not paying attention. Coach Ovista. I don't it – doesn't, it doesn't bother me. Coaches do that. The question was – it wasn't designed to inflict pain, but it did, to your point. You know, so be it. Okay? I guess you could say that he's not a one-question coach as well as not a one-possession coach. <laughs> the, fun, the funny thing is he had two possessions at the end of the game, not just one – to win it so ironically it was a you know two chances to make this one possession game but you know to his point it even stung more i think that it was a one pointer um i have a quick random question here for you guys about expectations i don't know if you guys feel this way or not but I, I, the question is about expectations aren't you being a little bit self-delusional you saw four and eight team last year this is i know there's a lot of new faces new quarterback this team was four and eight last year it's week two you're playing at Georgia, okay? <laughs> and and, and I got to be honest, I predicted Notre Dame was going to lose close. I don't want to say I was pleasantly surprised because it wasn't pleasant. I was surprised that Notre Dame was this close by the time it all shook out. Are you delusional if you were if you were like, oh, I'm really? delusional. Oh, I'm del- listen. We so you all, you thought well, Notre Dame was going to win? You bought in? I, and- I didn't know. I said last week in the podcast we, they had more talent. They have a new coach. You can't tell. Uh, it's at Notre Dame. Notre Dame looked amazing against Temple. I literally, for the first time in my life, looked at the line and said, "I'm just going with the line." If it was Georgia, I would have gone with them. But I was duped. I wanted to believe so bad that Brian Kelly could do it. But let's let's face let's face the facts. Sucker. The, yeah, exactly right. <laughs> You're the, one- the kind of person that kept their tickets and went to the game. And you, you should won. listen to our podcast. <laughs> but, but, but some people pin me because. And JJ as the guy 
I'm so pessimistic. Like, I want to win so bad, and I wanted to believe it so bad. And I looked it's at two It's a new it's two, version. It's a new version. Surely the and, engineers wouldn't let a shitty product go in the box and download the people. You know, new coordinators, Cocho Vista. You know, it's I mean, Cocho two But I'm just looking at it. And I just I say I want us to win. We're gonna do it. This is it, man. Like if we're gonna do it, it's now or never. We got to make the playoffs this year. And and then. The, the one question I should have asked myself, the one question you – every show I feel like I challenge our listeners. Pull, <laughs> Which pull, is, what evidence do you have that that's a valid opinion? Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> so pull over right now. Why didn't I take the blue pill? Yeah. <laughs> pull over, look in your rearview mirror and say – the question we should have asked was, do you trust Brian Kelly in a one-possession game? And the answer to that question is – Were you also going to provide the bleep. stat? Were you going to provide the stats supporting that? Before that game, it would have been, what, one and seven in eight games? Now he's one and eight in one possession games? It's a a total disaster. Martin, I know. (laughs) It's a complete and total disaster. (laughs) Believe me. Believe me. Believe me. It's a disaster. Martin, I want to throw this to you because you've been asking us a lot of questions. So I'm curious to you. What are you most surprised of, of these three things? What are you most surprised about? Okay. Are you most surprised at the turnout of Georgia fans? Are you surprised at the fact that Notre Dame lost this game? Or are you surprised that our offense looks so clueless? Lost it outright? Just outright? Are you just surprised that Notre Dame lost this game? Are you surprised that Georgia Georgia fans infiltrated the stadium? Or are you just surprised at how poor the off? No, I'll take that. Are you more surprised at how good the defense looked? I'll give you that one. Okay, okay. So you got four things now that I need. I'm juggling four four things now. Number one, I was actually I was the most surprised at how many Georgia fans were there. I honestly, in today's day and age, really, there's a lot of doctored photographs and stuff on Twitter. I saw different That's angles. Fake news. I saw it on TV. I saw every. I heard it. I saw the cell phone thing on YouTube. I mean, every any way you slice it, that place was absolutely full of Georgia fans. That was the most surprising thing in a vacuum. The most concerning was how the offense could look so starkly different from Temple. The thing that kept me from that ledge was maybe that I was pleasantly surprised with defense, but I was most— Hold on. Let me do some quick math. 422 plus 55. We're still averaging like 360 rushing yards a game. <laughs> I mean, at one point, we— <laughs> 260. <laughs> you know, and we had come fresh off a podcast, and we talked about there was going to be some reversion to the mean in terms of running play calling, but there's a point in the third quarter where they're showing the total rush yards, and I'm like, this is insane. I know it's Georgia. It's not Temple. I get it. They're very, very fast, but— the fact that Notre Dame fell off from a 422 in rushing was an insane, and I'm not ready to chalk it up to the fact that Dexter Williams wasn't on the field. I mean, there were other no, things There's no happening. way of knowing that, but it sure would have been nice to see. I agree. See, I agree. To try. But Appalachian State averaged over four yards a carry. They did. It is what it is. Yeah, I don't know. I, I would say that was certainly the most depressing surprise, which is always – Notre Dame always has a depressing – Surprise, you know, like Christmas, you know, just getting some like a sweater or whatever. But that, that Socks. was Thanks, that was the worst guys. thing. I, the most surprising thing was the Georgia fans. That was different, I think. Than that was the you biggest know, turnout it, I, for an opposing you, you know, team. I really think what's so. funny. I am less surprised by that than I was at how good the defense looked. Okay, I, I was more surprised at how good the defense looked. I did, I wasn't aware that Brian Van Gorder was hired as our OC. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I and you. Was, Why didn't you guys tell me? I wouldn't have predicted us to win. I, I, I thought the well. First of all, you know, I said at the beginning uh, podcast, uh, three podcasts or whatever it was. Like I thought, nine and four was what this season would be, and I think I still probably hold to that. I mean, nine and four to me considers, mm. you know, either look. I mean, one of two things. It's either it's either an eight and four season. And then you beat a meaningless team in a bowl game, a la Rutgers, or you go nine and three, which seems less likely at this point, And then you lose to a legitimate team in like the Champs Bowl or something like that. Either way, in those scenarios, in my mind, I figured that Notre Dame loses three or four games this year to the three or four good teams that they play, just like in the greatest coaching year that Jack Swarbrick's ever seen in 2015 when they lost to every good opponent that they played, I figure that's probably the case again this year, and I think that's reasonable with a brand-new quarterback. Speaking of, does anybody have opinions on Wimbush? Because uh, I wasn't tweeting out who's got Notre Dame's most viable candidate stuff this week. 
<laughs> this week, if you noticed. Um, and we is that tweet is that tweet trending still? Or? <laughs> listen, yeah, because it's nobody. Listen, go back and listen to our first two podcasts. You did, cousin JJ. You did. You I said he it. did have. What did he say? Do you remember what he said? He you did. said something specifically about how everybody needed to pump the brakes about Wimbush because you really haven't seen him. I don't know if you actually saw something in the spring game or previously, but you just said, "Look, let's not or annoy you just anybody." Not have faith in Brian no, Kelly. It, I have no faith in Brian <laughs> Kelly that he's developed a quarterback. One number two. Yeah, a couple years ago he broke off a seventy yard run. That's great. But the last time we saw, so him, did Andrew Hendricks. Yeah, so did Andrew Hendricks. But look at look at I think it was the Navy game where they put him in at the end and he fumbled a snap and it was a complete a total disaster. <laughs> and so they put him in there and in the Blue Gold game, Ian Book flat out terrible. Looked, Ian Book looked flat out better than Brandon Wimbush in that Blue Gold game. Now again, Junior Jabby won the MVP a few years ago. I get it, but I saw a lot of I didn't I saw a lot of warning signs that maybe maybe he's not the Heisman candidate that we all want him to be. And and that's exactly what we saw in the Georgia game. I mean, he wasn't a total disaster, but I definitely wouldn't say that was a Heisman performance. And I would say it's probably a below average performance. Yeah, and I I think that you know the other thing about him. And I was talking I was talking to Wes earlier today about, and I didn't really have the time to dig up the stats about what Kaiser looked like in the second and third game. You know, as far as whether or not he was really at that peak performance, and I couldn't recall what the actual. Um, layout of the games was in terms of did he have like a ranked number fourteen opponent in week two after playing against Virginia? I don't think so. So I'm not. I'm. I don't think anybody whatsoever is giving up on Wimbush. And this was a very tough thing. I mean, dude, you're playing at Georgia. All right, that's not easy. But <laughs> I, I also think that it's really here. Here is how a football season tends to fall apart, specifically for Notre Dame, but college football. In Don't general. ask Brian Kelly this question; he's going to chew your head off. Here, here's how. Here's how it. Uh, what did they say? Snowball? Is it snowball? Snowball. Here, snowball. Here's, here's how, how it snowballs. Let me show you how it snowballs. Okay, slow motion, like Inception. Okay, you're in the van right now. One of the first things that happens is you you lose one early. All right, we all know that you lose one early, and then all of a sudden everybody starts doing mental math about the playoff, whether or not it's even remotely appropriate at this point, which it's not. It's not. You start doing mental math. Okay, now we got to win out and we got to beat guarantee beat stanford guarantee beat usc that's what everybody starts doing and then what and then your quarterback falls off right which we we all saw this in the most glaring example with your boy eg you know those are those are the structural pillars of a football team those are weight bearing columns for notre dame because you don't have the conference championship and all the other stuff to play for that is that is what notre dame season is at this point so so all of a sudden it all starts to fall apart and i would i would be would not be surprised if you saw more of the stadium plus you have brian kelly as your coach so i mean you got that going against you right exactly if it starts raining i mean it's (laughs) just like you forget it but again it's way too early to do a final judgment on Wimbush. it's not in any way fair i mean i don't know how anybody could be expected to fare in game two against Georgia. However, it certainly didn't seem to rise to the occasion. And to be fair, even a guy like Golson that early in his career did rise in some of his earlier games. So yeah, but, it's alarming. But I it, think it's alarming. You, I think you got to give Kirby Smart, a defensive coordinator, credit. I mean, they recognize something which I had talked about earlier, which is if you stop Josh Adams or keep, you know, you don't give up the big run to him and he's not breaking off eight, nine yard runs. Unless Notre Dame goes to their next guy or find something, they just they start to break down a little bit. And it, I don't want to say that they didn't look like they were committed to the run at all, but I from the very first play when they ran this trick play at the very start of the game, I just didn't have a good feeling. I was like, it almost had this Alabama Notre Dame championship game feel to me, where it's like. They don't even believe that they can do the things that, like it's one thing to go out and and just punish Temple running and just do whatever you want with you know with no remorse, but from the trick play on, I just felt like they do not have that same feeling coming. Like I don't want to say they were scared, but they were timid maybe, and they just didn't feel like they they believe that they were going to be able to get those things accomplished. Why else are you running the trick plays and the goofy shit? And then, and then when Adams got stopped, and then you start looking to Wimbush to make all these plays, which he hasn't done, and he hasn't done on the road yet, you know. So I mean, like, <laughs> right. then it just starts getting squirrely. And and I don't know if Kelly's calling plays or Chip Long or whatever, but Memphis is not Notre Dame. I mean, props to Elko; he stepped up. The defense stepped up, but I was, I mean, the offense was a disaster. It was it was a disaster. And and my biggest concern, if you go back and rewatch the game as I was watching it. Was was my biggest concern was the lack of 
uh, changing game plan in, in in the game. Through the entire game, they were blitzing off the weak side for the Wimbush rollout or the Wimbush whatever, and, and they did it from the first half. And at halftime, I'm like, man, they've been hitting Wimbush a lot. There's no protection on that weak side. We need to put another tight end or adjust or do something else. And the second half, surely we're going to do something different. We did nothing. The second half, Wimbush was getting murdered, and they're still blitzing up the weak side. There's no protection. There's there's zero change, zero adaptation, and and again, I don't I don't I don't get it. Like this I'm a felt fan. like a drier, like less more a little bit more tolerable NC State. I mean, it really did. It felt like when Notre Dame just well, was there, passing. Technically, passing. there was a hurricane going on in Florida. At uh, granted, it was in Florida, not in South Bend, but there, there, there was, was a hurricane on the map. There, it, it, Brandon Wimbush did throw X amount of times technically during a hurricane. Right, so exactly. We, but it did it did kind of have that feel where, and we talked about, or I, I think maybe you tweeted. I don't know if we mentioned it on the podcast, but we talked about how the true brilliance specifically of the defense in 2012 was their performance in the third quarter because of the amazing halftime adjustments that Bob Diaco used to make. The team would just suck up information for the first half, the bend don't break, if you will. In the third quarter, that team was absolutely dominant because the halftime adjustments were so good. And I agree with Cousin JJ. The frustration is not necessarily that you didn't see Dexter. It's not necessarily that you saw these particular edge rushes that clearly were not working or somebody's coming off the edge completely untouched. It's that you saw it again and again well, and again and not only that but it's just the juxtaposition of what side of the ball it was on i mean i i remarked that temple was seemed like they were running the ball extremely effectively against notre dame at the start of the game and by the second half of the game elko made some corrections and he had it changed and they didn't do jack squat after right, that right. so elko is doing that but so many years past, think of 2015, think of the Stanford game. Think of everything that you've seen under the Brian Van Gorder you know, regime at Notre Dame. Everything that you know factually is that, hey, look, we will not be able to stop anybody. Push come to shove, we're not going to be able to stop them. But there, I at least have faith that Deshaun Kaiser or Willful or, or Prosize or somebody's going to help us score when push comes to shove and we need a score at the end of the game. And as long as we score and we just don't leave time on the clock for the other team to come down in 18 seconds or whatever the hell it took Devin Kajus to go down the field, you know, then th- you felt like you were fine. And it's com- it's completely flipped this year, which right, is right. so hard to wrap your mind around. Damn it, the defense looked great. I saw Drew Tranquil come, I mean, take on a block with his outside arm free leverage, stay into the outside, shed a block, broke down, make a tackle, and I wanted to weep because I coached defense for third and fourth graders. And, Props if, I, to Drew Tranquil, and if I could just teach my kids to do that, if nothing, if my outside linebackers did nothing more than that, we'd win two more games a year. Yeah. I just, it was, it was a thing to see. Jay Hayes was an absolute machine. I was like, I kept, who's this number 93 dude? He's all over the freaking place. Dalen Hayes got steamrolled on a couple plays, but he also had a couple really nice ones. I mean, there's so much. Yeah, the huge fumble recovery, which is a great optimistic play. about the on this on this def- on this defense. Nick Watkins on a corner blitz coming tight, blowing people up. I mean, they're just the defense was. They came through. I made I made a comment on Twitter at Iris Titanus, shameless plug. It was ten to ten, or thirteen to ten, or three to three, or whatever the hell the score was, and I wrote and I tweeted it and I wrote it in my notes. I go, Notre Dame would be down twenty-one to three right now if BVG was a coach. No, I agree. There's no that. question about it. And the defense did everything they could to keep this team in the game. And the offense, Brian Kelly's offense, and he didn't bring in Chip Long to put in a new offense. He brought in Chip Long to augment his offense and call his place. And they didn't do shit. And can, that's frustrating. Can we now refer to Chip Long as Brian Van Gorder 2.0? Here's the funny. No, he's Brian Kelly 1.0 at this point. It's like the it's like uh it's like the <laughs> Scooby Doo gang. They pull off the mask. Brian Kelly 2.0 <laughs> Oh, it's Chip Long. You know, I it just, I don't know, man. That's irritating to me well, because the offense, the offense let him down. The defense did as much as they could possibly do against two NFL running backs. They did everything they could possibly do, and the offense left him hanging. And the line specifically, and the play calling specifically, left him hanging. And if you came out of the Temple game high on Kool Aid, you would have thought that's not the case, but it is. Well, and the funniest thing is we if got you- duped. 
If you overlay, you downloaded, what, you downloaded the the latest update, and you got a bug. If you if you overlay what you just said last year, week five, it was the exact opposite. The offense is doing everything they possibly can, and if the defense could only remotely yeah, slow right. somebody down, we would have a chance at this. It's the exact opposite thing. So I agree. It's the whipsaw effect that's so irritating, so aggravating. You don't know what to expect. You don't even know where to place your excitement. Have you, have you ever excitement. had an electrical issue in a vehicle? Oh, dude, you know how many GMs I drove? <laughs> I'm not going to blast corporations there's here. Some, but there's Del- some you know Union Delco, Delco, Delco guy Electro. out there that's like, these bastards. Listen, <laughs> yeah. come at me on Twitter if, I mean, you're, if you work I, for Delco. I've been, <laughs> I've had, I've been elbow deep in a Pontiac There's some guy Bonneville that works dashboard. at the Delco plant in Kokomo, Indiana that's just rolling his eyes right. Look, no, every Brian <laughs> Kelly's tenure at Notre Dame is an electrical pr- issue in a vehicle. It's impossible to chase down. Yeah. You you think you found it. It's one thing. And then, okay, now the horn works, but the headlights don't work. It just, it, it's 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 insane. Right. It, you can't, okay, the defense sucks. Now the offense is good. Okay, now the offense sucks, but the defense is good. But the special teams are giving up huge plays. But now the st- it just, it jumps from one. How can this guy not put all three facets of the game together at the same time is completely beyond me. And I know we've talked a lot about Kelly, but let's, I'll, I'll throw this to you because this is kind of a, this is a softball question. I'm not, I'm not going to go, you know, tough biting question to you, cousin JJ. I'm going to give you a softball what we've and we've asked this before what does brian kelly do well because we're changing coordinators he should be an offensive guy what does uh, he even, bring but not only for for everybody out there what that does he bring to the pot everybody out there that wants to blame georgia fans instead of instead of a head coach who can't win big games right because right. that's what your default is wow it's because of the home field advantage was gone no it's, i think it's because you retained a guy that was 4 and 8 yeah but I mean, to to not only to cousin JJ, but to everybody, just ask yourself one thing: What does Brian Kelly do well? What does he do well? What does he do well? Yeah, what 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 I mean, well? Define well. Is that average, above average? Is it great? Anything. What is well? The guy's getting paid multiple millions of dollars to coach at what we want to believe he, is a market. He hired Elko, unless well, unless Swarbrick I know, I, hired Elko. I, we don't even know who did that. So should you Kelly know, be? You know he does well. We just build a five hundred, six hundred. He fundraises. He, he fundraises. He's a great fundraiser. He fundraises. He's a great fundraiser. Okay. He's a great fundraiser. And and listen, cousin Wes, if you don't want to go over it, I will. I just I say the guy's Twitter handle because I. I can't. I, I didn't know it. You got it. You got so, it dialed up. Rodolfo. 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 Dude, that name is so tight. But it's exotic. Rodolfo tweeted, and I and I give think his this, Twitter. He, okay, give some credit it's here. R O R R nine nine at R O R R nine nine at R O R R nine nine. And he's come out. He's come with some good stuff in the past. Yeah, too. Yeah, this is this is brilliant, man. He said, "Okay, Notre Dame's record, and this just gives you like, listen, we're fact based. We deal in the world of facts. I got duped. Whatever. Here's the <laughs> what the what the flip. My brother Martin bought bought a fifty dollar bench seat. My cousin JJ got duped into thinking Brian T- Kelly two wasn't Vista in yeah. twenty seventeen. Yeah, so this listen, is how hungry and we I, are. And I got hammered for being quote unquote pessimistic in our first podcast when I said nine and four. I know. I'm seven and five still, but here, listen, Rodolfo uh, Roar ninety nine. He tweeted this, and I think it's brilliant. So everyone's saying, "Oh, the Notre Dame propaganda department's like, we're gonna win, we're gonna do all this amazing stuff, everything is awesome." And so here's what they tweet. Here's what he tweeted: Notre Dame record over the last fifty games, we're thirty and twenty over the last fifty games with a sixty percent winning percentage. Over the last forty games, we're twenty three and seventeen with a fifty eight percent winning percentage. Over the last 30 games, we are 16 and 14 with a 53% winning percentage. Over the last 20 games, we are 9 and 11 with a 45% winning percentage. And over the last 10 flipping games, we're 4 and 6 with a 40% winning percentage. I'm not a statistician. You did go to Notre Dame. I did go to Notre Dame. You got one of them fancy math degrees there, (laughs) business stat boy. And Purdue. I went to Purdue, which is math-based. I'm not a statistician. 
But that's it, not Matt good. Matt them damn near cornfields. Oh, my. This is the demon drop <laughs> of stats. <laughs> the demon drop. <laughs> Shout out to every to high school kid who took a senior trip to, to Cedar, Cedar Point. Point. Tear that botch down. <laughs> tear <laughs> that botch down and build something new. Hire less miles. What's it, Hire, what's it going to take? Is it going to take some kid to slip through the seatbelt and die on the demon build drop? Build the power <laughs> tower, man. The demon drop Build it. It's antiquated. I got, I got to turn this mic down. This oh dude's my, out of control. We're garbage. You are out of we're garbage. He's got, he's got two light beers. <laughs> he's off the handle. Oh, my gosh. Act like you've been. Talk about once, once in a lifetime experience. You and I are sitting here like we've done 100 podcasts. <laughs> Gosh, that's why we gave cousin JJ the chair, right? We've done so. We've done so many of these podcasts. Uh, see, that's why you don't. That's why you that's don't. Why sell, you that's why you don't guy. sell the seat to the Georgia podcaster. Exactly. Well, talk talk about a hostile environment. 